you know, everyone has an imposter syndrome. Sometimes we all think that we are not good enough. Sometimes we all may be afraid of uh, not being uh, enough for a program. But, you know, if, if you don't try, you will never know whether it's true or it, it, it is not true at all. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. To help Ukrainians, we need to break the stereotypes, because Ukraine is not just a former Soviet country, nor Chernobyl. The new generation of Ukrainians today have unlimited potential. This podcast is to break the stereotypes about Ukrainians and show the greatness of Ukraine to the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. I couldn't return to Kiev because of the pandemic, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. More than 145 people participated in this project for Ukraine. From the Vice President of the Helen Marlin Group, to the Vice Chancellor of the UGCC, to the President of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the President of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Ukraine Global Scholars, Yale University, Harvard, the London School of Economics, to the United Nations, to interns at the Ukrainian Parliament and at the Canadian Parliament, to top 1% students in Ukraine. But not only them. This project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. Also, join the new Telegram channel, Kiev Future, where you'll listen to interesting weekly workshops to help you upgrade your skills. My goal is to make interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians, and the world is listening. This podcast is already top 100 in France and Switzerland, top 60 in the United Kingdom and Japan, top 50 in Austria, Germany, and Canada, top 25 on Apple Russia, top 15 in Belarus, Poland, and Australia, and top 10 in Norway, Sweden, South Korea, and many other places because... This is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes. Together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people. And this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So let's begin. My guest today is Nathan Sivash. Nathan is a Flex alumni, 2018-2019, and was the Flex City representative for the Kiev region. 
Nathan is an eco-activist interested in environmental action, sustainable technologies, and policy making. He will begin his undergraduate education at Dartmouth College this autumn, studying environmental science and public policy. Nathan is a co-founder of a youth NGO aimed to popularize environmental action in rural areas. He co-founded YNGO Plus. YNGO Plus is a nonprofit that promotes free education on self-development among Ukrainian youth via open webinars and online workshops. And he co-founded ESMU. ESMU is a nonprofit youth environmental organization that aims to empower Ukrainian youth to lead and promote an eco-friendly lifestyle. Nathan, how are you today? Uh, I'm great. Um, the weather in Kiev is, is just wonderful. How, how's about here? The weather everywhere seems to be wonderful these days. <laughs> and I'm hoping I'm not taking you from a nice walk in the park or an enjoying time out in this rare good weather because before people reported the weather was not so good. Uh, it's 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 kind of cloudy, but um, you know it's just um, I I love rain, so um, I just feel uh, I feel empowered when it's raining outside. So so I'm kind of excited. Really, tell me more. Like when it's raining outside, you feel empowered. Why yeah. is that? Do you have like a memory from childhood that created that, or maybe a scene from a movie like Dancing in the Rain? Or water is a symbol for you that gives you peace? Mm -hmm. Or why is rain so wonderful for you? You know, sometimes sometimes people think that the, the rain is uh, is a terrible is a terrible time, but um it, it some it somehow happened in my life then um when something good or something just uh exciting happens in my life, it's always raining, you know. Um during my uh, prom or uh, different holidays, or um, even sometimes when we did cleanup days at my NGO, it, it was uh, has been always uh, raining uh, at those times, and um, somehow I started to associate uh, this this kind of nasty weather with something positive. And uh, you know, when um, when I feel that I'm inside and it's raining outside, I just um, you know, kind of have a uh, something to uh, catch up uh, in my memory, uh, and um, you know, all of those all of those pieces of memories just you know uh, come to life again when I when it's raining, and I just uh, I just started to uh, reminding myself how uh, it was wonderful to go on cleanup days during the rain uh, before the you know before the COVID times. And before the um, quarantine, so um, so this this how it is. I love it. Tell me more about the cleanup days, and to yeah. you, why is that so meaningful? Like, what is the special thing about those days before COVID mm -hmm. that give you that good emotion? Um, so it's it's kind of an interesting story because when we. Um, when I arrived after uh, my program, my exchange program in the US, uh, we had a post-orientation meeting at American Councils. And uh, I met a couple of friends and we decided to uh, like 
to network and maybe create a project together. And, um, you know, I live in a, in a small village in Kyiv region. And uh, while back in the US, I lived in a, a small industrial town in rural Michigan. So uh, I kind of seen um, how environmental sustainability and environmental awareness affects different social groups. And when I arrived in uh, Ukraine, I, I've understood that there is something uh, in common everyone in different countries has. And this is, uh, this is a common problem all humans share, probably. And uh, probably the top priority that uh, should be in mind for everyone is, uh, is environmental sustainability and environmental action, because uh, everywhere you go, you can see how, uh, how it affects different uh, social groups. And basically, when we arrived in Ukraine, um, I've decided to address the problem uh, as, as much as I could. So we decided to start small, and we did, uh, we did uh, three seminars. The first day of the seminar was uh, a theory. We just kind of ha- got together and uh, did like a small lecture uh, one by one. And then um, on the next day, uh, we did a cleanup day as a, you know, as a practice, kind of uh, to what we uh, learned before. Uh, and we did that in three uh, small villages in uh, Kyiv and Kharkiv uh, regions. And then, uh, you know, it was a wonderful experience in terms of communication and project management because I learned from... Uh, a practical uh, point of view have um, have different social groups in different regions deal with uh, waste management, uh, for example. And I learned a lot about waste management in Ukraine. I mean, more than I could ever learn from uh, from a regular high school, you know. Um, so that's that's how it is. Yes, it's very important. And I want to return and focus back on two things for you, please, to expand on how environmental issues affect Mm -hmm. people in different ways, different people in different ways, whether those you notice in the US or in Ukraine, like more specifics, as well as you said is the biggest issue that Mm -hmm. we're facing as humanity right now share more about the problem what really touches your heart the most about it mm-hmm. uh, i would say um i have a person i have more kind of a personal connection to it because so i, I live in a small village in uh, in kiev region uh, about like 90 kilometers from uh, chernobyl and my grandfather was one of the persons that uh, were there to uh, to help to uh, to help with the problem um, when the when the catastrophe when the catastrophe happened and uh, in my in my family my grandfather was just a hero for me and I um, and because of this personal connection uh, I was always like trying to be um, as much eco friendly to the nature around me as I possibly could so um, for example when I uh, like from from high school, I, I was I was really interested in ecology and chemistry, and um, 
and like uh, all of these kind of natural sciences things. Um, and uh, since then I was uh, trying to uh, understand why is it so important and what we could, what we can, uh, how we can just deal with it better. And for example, a lot of people uh, don't believe in climate change. And uh, when I was in the US, I had a teacher that didn't believe in climate change. Uh, and uh, it was uh, kind of like, uh, a sh like a shocking experience because uh, for example, here in Ukraine, uh, climate change is very important because uh, agriculture, agriculture uh, is uh, one of the uh, biggest um, uh, sources of our economy. So, for example, and um, and f uh, you know, it's just such a such a broad topic because it affects uh, water quality, air quality. Uh, it, it affects poverty because of the agriculture. Uh, it affects uh, it, it affects so many things from so many different perspectives and angles. And it's it's very like you know it's 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 a very difficult uh, question to answer in in a short period of time. So probably I would like summarize everything I said in uh, because I had a personal connection uh, because I was always like interested in natural sciences. And also because I live like in a more middle middle class social environment, so I saw how how for, for example uh, environmental sustainability affects poverty, and um, I think those three those three things were enough for me uh, to get interested in this topic. Thank you. That is actually really really wonderful. Another thing, though, I noticed you have an NGO to yeah. help other Ukrainians, not the eco-friendly um, mm -hmm. one, but to help the young Ukrainians learn more through webinars, etc. Mm -hmm. How is that similar or different as a goal to you? And how did that idea come to be mm -hmm. born? Um, I would say that um, the, um, the most important thing in my life is, uh, has been and always will be education. And for example, in um, in in ESMU or ESMO, uh, we do eco education, and in and another NGO I work at, uh, we do just uh, self development education, uh, and we we did, um, if I'm not mistaken, sixty hours of webinars on different topics from from like you know have to do a resume to uh, have to apply to like different programs. So you know that that was kind of a way for me to uh, share my experience after the year in the U.S. and uh, kind of like tell tell us as like sh um, connect to as much broader audience as I could possibly could uh, using the internet and um, and I think that. Um, it was it was a meaningful experience for me at, at that time. I'm still working at that, but uh, I'm more focused on um, on my eco NGO at this point of time. Thank you. And well, on a more personal level, maybe mm -hmm. people don't know your story. Mm -hmm. If you were to share some of the moments who made your personality and made you who you are 
right now, what would mm-hmm. be your life story, but not in a chronological way, mm-hmm. but in a way of saying, oh, that experience changed me, and then this mm-hmm. second experience changed me, and then this other changed me and made mm-hmm. me who I am, and why? I think people will really resonate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, th- there is a story. Uh, so when I was six years old, uh, uh, I grew up on a farm with my, uh, with my parents and we had, uh, kind of like a strawberry farm. So there were like so many different kinds of strawberries and, um, you know, we just planted in, uh, so we planted them every year and, um, every summer we, um, you know, took care of them and, uh, uh, I went to a bazaar, like a local market, uh, with my father to sell the strawberries. Uh, and um, this was like probably the first time when I uh, saw like a connection between nature and people. Because like in the morning, I was uh, I had been picking up strawberries, and uh, I've been like thinking uh, that there are so many so many tiny things that affect a stro- like this like this particular uh, strawberry feel uh, from water to uh, to like sunshine and etc and uh, in like five or six hours I went to a bazaar with my father and um, we were you know communicating with different people and trying to uh, tell them about our product and you know this was probably the first time when I uh, uh, had experience in uh, uh, both environmental sustainability and uh, entrepreneurship. And I, I think this experience, experience was something that shaped, shaped me as a person I am right now. Great. I mean, it's actually you are from the earth in many ways. So it explains mm-hmm. you know, the connection that leads to your eco-activity and it's really really important do you have also a story of maybe someone who wasn't really knowledgeable about eco uh, Mm -hmm. problems and then after sharing with them they're like oh my god thank you you changed me my life and my vision and my understanding and they became activists because of it or something the project that was successful that you think wow the world will be like 0.1% better because of me or something like that that you can share. I think it will be very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I would say that, um, you know, I met some people that were, that didn't really share my views and my values, but uh, there were uh, a lot of people that were kind of skeptical. You know, they, they were still open-minded, but they were uh, really, really skeptical because, you know, yeah, there is climate change. Yeah, we have environmental problems, but you know, it's it's not as important right now. You know, we, we can deal with it later because you know, it's there's winter, there's summer. Sometimes it's a good weather, sometimes it's a bad weather. Like, what's the point, right? Um, we can deal with it, but you know, we can deal with it somehow. It's 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 not as urgent as it is. And I've met a lot of those people at different seminars and uh, that we organized. And uh, I can't I can't even recall uh, their names or their personalities, but there there, there were like a, a lot of people that were really skeptical, 
and I am I am very happy that they are uh, more open-minded than they were before. And I think there is a friend, maybe two of mine, that were you know at first uh, thinking that I'm just doing some <laughs> some um, pointless work, uh, but then they uh, they they changed their minds when I um, um, when they realized that this is uh, honestly. A, really important for me and I'm uh, changing uh, someone's uh, perspectives and that I'm uh, did even like even a small very very small uh, portion of change but there is some some change and um, so yeah I, I would say I changed the minds of uh, maybe a person of, or two uh, that were friends of mine and they were like extremely skeptical. I, I can't say that they became activists and uh, like extremely proactive and uh, you know because it's it's not a as unfortunately it's not as uh, fast process as uh, I, I I would like it to be. Thank you. And if so, then I would like to know what kind of maybe three different beliefs, maybe one about life in general second about our potential to change the world and third about the environment that you have that maybe those people don't have mm -hmm. and if we understand them understand this maybe if you try to share those beliefs with the world and to create those beliefs then people will become more activists mm -hmm. the first um probably the first lesson i learned is that Every global change consists of small local actions. And, um, the, you know, there is no global change that happened just because it happened. Uh, there were many local uh, unnoticeable things that we didn't really heard of, but they were there and uh, they, they will always be there. So uh, if, if someone wants to change some, something, they should start small. And they should um, try to, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't change the world, right? But they would change a world for themselves and maybe for one or two persons. The second lesson is probably not to be afraid of a mistake, of mistakes, because all humans do mistakes. And sometimes your project can fail. And, you know, quite often they do fail. And then you try again. And, um, when you see that they failed again, you try again, and you try until it happens, and you try until it um, becomes becomes a reality, really. And and uh, the only way you can know that this idea is bad is only when you try it and it didn't work. And uh, if you don't stop, you will never know whether uh, this is possible or not. So I would say that never give up. When you uh, when you fail, just move on. Try a different idea. You know, go from there. And the the last probably lesson I learned is that humans, uh, we as we as a humankind, uh, are part of nature, and the nature will, you know, if we as a humankind cease to exist, the nature. Uh, will continue to be there, and it's it's not it's not a problem of nature that we may cease to exist. Uh, it's our problem, and it's in our interest to take care of nature. And um, if we mess up, this is, will be uh, our problem because we will just disappear. 
and the earth will uh, will move on without us. So uh, it's in our best interest to take care of the uh, of what we have. Thank you. That reminds me of uh, George Carlin. He has a sketch about this that the earth we're like so small. If things change and we die, it doesn't matter to the earth. It will keep on moving. We are like a small virus on this earth, and it's our role to make it good for us. It won't be really hurt uh, by us. So that is very relevant to what you said. Another thing, when you're mm -hmm. not being an eco-activist, you're not doing the great work you're doing, what are some hobbies or things that you love to do that are meaningful to you and make you feel alive? Oh, um, I would say... There are many things. Um, there are many, many things. It, it depends on my, on my, uh, on how I feel. Sometimes I like to uh, I make. Um, sometimes I like to make uh, digital illustrations, uh, an Illustrator, or maybe some uh, some kind of like design for uh, for uh, for like I don't know for SMM for my NGO, for example. Because because this is fun. I, I perceive this as a hobby somehow. Um, Sometimes, sometimes I like to read or uh, watch a movie or two. Uh, I really like my cat. I can spend like hours playing with my cat, honestly, uh, when I have time. Uh, I wish I had more time. It, there's, there's never enough time for, for, many, th for many hobbies. So, um, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that, that's it. This is important. You said mm -hmm. there is never enough time for many yeah. hobbies, which yeah. is an issue of prioritization, which is mm -hmm. really a dilemma for 99.999% of humans. So it's very relevant to the listener. If you were to think and give some advice about how to prioritize, do the things that are really mm -hmm. important and let go of the need to do the other things mm -hmm. which may seem important but aren't what would be an approach you have or a way of thinking in order that you think even if you're not succeeding at it now 100 mm -hmm. but you think is the right way to prioritize our lives mm -hmm. i would say that um i would give this kind of advice if something makes you happy and it, if it makes happy other people then you should prioritize that and uh, you should, uh, it's, it's kind of like a balance between what makes you happy and what makes other people happy in terms of a social impact. And uh, you, you always need to, you know, to, um, to have this kind of a balance because, for example, um, if I work too much at my NGO and uh, I just, uh, I'm... I'm mentally exhausted, I'm physically exhausted, I'm emotionally exhausted, and I, I wouldn't be as much as impactful as I wish I could be. So, uh, and then I should kind of switch to do things that makes more uh, happy, that makes more, just makes me happy, or, and they're not as much impactful, important for society, but they are important for me as a person. And, um, and it's, um, you know, and when you have this kind of like active rest, uh, when your mind can rest and you just, you know, let yourself be and just um, have some fun. Uh, and then when you're, um, you're not any longer mentally exhausted, 
than than one and do something important for other people. So if I understood correctly to you, what recharges you really is mm-hmm. impact on others. It's seeing that you're changing or mm-hmm. having helping others that more of a social bonding, social impact mm-hmm. is something that recharges recharges your energy and motivates you. Is this mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I would say um, I would say that I have kind of like two different kinds of energy. One kind of energy I get from other people, from, from like for, from socializing with other people, and then another kind of energy I get from uh, from somewhere deep inside of me. And uh, I always try to balance these two different kind of energies. So I'm always like I'm. This has like always been like um, a huge, um, a huge like issue because uh, I always need to find a right balance, bef- you know, between uh, getting energy from other people and then taking some time and trying to uh, dive deep inside myself and then get some energy from from somewhere uh, in, from somewhere deep inside. So. Uh, so this is how this is how it works for me. <laughs> yes, it's actually very interesting, and it makes you a multifaceted individual and person. And its life is about adapting, flexibility, balance, and not neglecting any facet mm-hmm. of our personalities. Then to ask you even more about the NGO, it's Y NGO Plus, mm-hmm. correct? This is the one that, that is focused on the eco-activism and eco-education, or is there a new name for another one? So um, I work in NGO a, a ESMU uh, or ESMO, we just call it ESMO. It is uh, an eco-NGO. Uh, it's actually a abbreviator uh, from Ukrainian. In Ukrainian, it means ecological villages of Ukraine. Uh, in short, ESMO, and uh, and the, another one is uh, YNGO Plus. YNGO is like youth NGO combined. YNGO and then Plus is uh, Plus doesn't mean anything. It's just Plus because um, it's um, it's an it's an, a, a platform for informal education. So kind of like a plus for uh, for every person besides the formal education. So we. Um, Historically, it used to be plus, and we just um, decided to be a plus, and uh, we came up we we came up with this name. Thank you. So to confirm, you're the co-founder mm-hmm. of Esmo, correct? Yeah. Then to ask you two things: one, why did you start it? I mean, what brought to you the idea of starting Esmo rather mm-hmm. than joining an organization that is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, focused on eco-activism? Why did you find there is a need for your own initiative rather than combining with others? That's one. And second, what is your ultimate big vision for ESMO? What kind of impact work in a perfect ideal world you'd like to do with ESMO? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank, thank you for the question. Um, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of huge NGOs and uh but there are not so many uh, youth NGOs aimed at eco-education, specifically uh, uh, popularizing eco-education in rural areas. And um, co-founding an NGO 
for me was a way uh, to uh, formally announce that I have uh, this circle of uh, uh, alike thinkers and uh, we are here to help others. And, you know, it's, it's never a competition. So uh, uh, I've, I've just, I've just, we've decided to found an NGO rather than to, um, to participate in another bigger NGOs because we wanted to make uh, a more local-centered impact and uh, reach out to the youth as a youth. So um, this this was kind of important for us at that moment when we uh, we were in the process of co-founding uh, ESMO. And then uh, the biggest uh, vision for ESMO um, is, uh, in general, Ukrainian youth that can uh, advocate for a better uh, sustainable policies and a youth that have enough of knowledge and experiences and um, you know enough of expertise uh, to be able to uh, advocate for those um, positive changes. Uh, you know, we know that it, it's it is impossible to change everything at one moment, and it's impossible for ESMA to change everything just because you know uh, we want to. So we are trying to set an example for others and uh, we are trying to educate others so they uh, they can, for example, start their own NGOs and uh, they can, uh, in general, they have an idea why it is important. So that's, that's pretty much it. Thank you very much. And to speak, since you have been to the US, you mm-hmm. are now in Ukraine and you choose to be in Ukraine in two mm-hmm. Two things. What do you think is some significant differences when it comes to the eco approach or even to the culture uh, when it comes to eco activism or the style of eco activism of Ukrainians compared to people in the US? And the second, which is really good as it's a very important value of this podcast to understand why Ukrainians who have a lot of potential stay in Ukraine so that we can maybe find ways for those who left to bring them back or have a good argument for them to return. So two things, the difference between the eco-activist style in Ukraine and in the US, and why did you choose to stay in Ukraine rather than Mm -hmm. live your life somewhere else, being an eco-activist in another continent or country? Mm -hmm. So... um... I returned to Ukraine uh, after the after my ex- exchange year uh, ended, and uh, I was I was finishing high school um, one year after that, and then uh, I became a part of Ukraine Global Scholars, a, a program that helps Ukrainians uh, with entering uh, world's top colleges, and then I took a gap year, uh, which is my basically uh, a second uh, year in Ukraine. And, um, you know, this time was enough for me to understand and to realize that Ukraine is um, is like evolving organism that uh, develops and grows uh, really quickly in so many different directions and perspectives. One second, one second. That is beautiful. And one guest mm-hmm. was here and he said, mm-hmm. Ukraine is like a baby. 
you can yeah. raise it in any way you want. Uh -huh. While other countries, if that person went to the UK or the US, mm -hmm. it's already an adult, so they cannot really change much. But impact yeah. in Ukraine is significant, just because you said it's an evolving organism. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I thought it's interesting that more many people said that, including one said it's like a baby growing mm -hmm. up. Continue, please. Yeah, uh, it's it's totally true because because it is yeah it's it's an evolving organism it's it's like a baby and uh, you know you can um, you you can see that you know there there are like flaws and issues in different countries and um, being in different and visiting different countries and different like social environments you can see those issues and then uh, try to uh, you know do the same in Ukraine but uh, avoid those issues and kind of like maybe shape your own path, right? And for example, when I went to the US, uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a perfect paradise as because we live in, on earth, there, there's no paradise. There are like maybe somewhere uh, different issues and uh, the US is a huge country and it's already an adult kind of like, and it, it is very difficult to make a huge impact there. But when you go to Ukraine, there are many more opportunities because, um, you know, there's just nobody, nobody is like, uh, th there's not as huge competition in Ukraine as it is in, in the US. So there are many uh, open slots uh, you can take and then move from there because it, it's, it, it is a baby and there's a space to, to make an action uh, until uh, it becomes an adult. So this is this is uh, totally true. Thank you very much. And more about the flex and the Ukraine global scholars, etc. What are your thoughts on these kind of initiatives? Mm -hmm. I mean, you had real experience with them. Would you recommend them to more Ukrainians to try to participate? Mm -hmm. Maybe you had like. Some people who think, oh, I'm not good enough to be part of it. Maybe you have a story that can encourage them. Mm -hmm. As well as, you know, what is the importance of FLEX and of UGS? I think that's how mm -hmm. you call it. For yeah. the future of Ukraine. Uh, in the first place, it is, um, it's just a life-changing experience. And uh, not only because you have a chance to, to go to the yes or because you have a chance to enter uh, a college or anything like that. It's because of the community of uh, sh uh, like-minded people uh, and um, a community of people that are always there to help you, uh, are always there to support you, maybe to help you with uh, your projects and your ideas. So the community is, um, is the biggest uh, treasure for me. And then... Um, Flex and uh, UGS uh, are those kind of pro uh, programs that are making your dreams come true uh, and are, you know, um, this is the community that tells you uh, that uh, it, is, it is possible to enter an, uh, an American college. It is possible to go to the U.S. as an exchange student. It is possible uh, and you have already everything you need. You just need to work a lot. And if you are ready to work a lot, everything you want will become true. So uh, I would say to my peers from Ukraine, uh, never be afraid of uh, 
thinking something like, you know, everyone has an imposter syndrome. Sometimes we all think that we are not good enough. Sometimes we all kind of like maybe afraid of uh, not being uh, enough for a program. But, you know, if if you don't try, you will never know whether it's true or it, it, it is not true at all. Uh, and if you try and you fail, uh, you know, you don't lose anything. You just gain more experience and you, uh, you know, where, you know, you know, um, you've kind of realized where are those areas you need to work more on and then you can try again. And then from, from that place, you can move on to another place and maybe to another program. But, uh, on the way you will find a, an incredible community of people and you, you will just gain more experience. So, so never, never be afraid of, uh, of failing or, uh, of not being good for something. Everyone is good for something. So, and everyone can do a change, can make a change. And um, every person is, um, is kind of like a story that needs to be told. And um, if, if someone fails, it just means that they, they, they need to uh, uh, address the areas they um, maybe have some flaws or Maybe they're not really strong to get those areas and then just work on those areas and try again and again and again. And uh, at some point of time, they will succeed. That is wonderful advice. And if there is actually a word that describes this conversation, it's not even the environment or eco-activism. It's mm -hmm. community because you said that seven times at least in this mm -hmm. uh, period. So to you, what is the meaning of community? And even more important, what, how do you think if someone wants to build a community that is supportive and wonderful like those you described, since you are also a community builder in many ways, mm -hmm. how do you go about it? What do you think are the fundamentals of building a community? I would say that um, the, the, the most uh, important uh, in building a community is uh, having people that share the same set of values. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, maybe they have different perspectives. Uh, of course, they, they will have different perspectives. Everyone has a different perspective uh, on different topics. Um, maybe they, um, they will think of uh, different ways uh, of solving different problems. Uh, maybe they uh, they will have uh, extremely different backgrounds, but uh, they will have those that kind of like uh, one or two or three values they they all will share. Uh, for example, at ESMO, it's um, uh, it's being mindful of your of environment around you in terms of social environment, uh, uh, natural environment. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et At UGS, it's uh, an idea that we are there to uh, help other Ukrainians to build a better place uh, here. Uh, yes, we are. Um, we are trying to enter a top colleges and uh, top boarding schools and etc. But all all Ukraine Global Scholars finalists uh, came back after their education and they work at uh, Ukra Ukrainian companies or NGOs or 
they, they basically work somewhere in Ukraine or, or for Ukraine. And this kind of like, like idea uh, combines, uh, like gets everyone uh, in the same mind space. And it, it is very important for a, a community to have like this kind of an idea that um, brings everyone together. Thank you very much, Nathan. It was a pleasure. Mm -hmm. And if you can share, if people want to be involved with your NGOs, mm -hmm. what are the best ways or social media links to go to, as well as your own, if people want to send you a message? And I'll write some of them in the description as well. Yeah. Um, they, uh, if they want to connect to uh, ESMO, they can find us on Instagram. That's instagram.com esmocrane. Uh, so like esmo and then uh, crane, like Ukraine, but esmocrane, kind of like. Um, or at Facebook, uh, facebook.com esmo.ua. Uh, or they can just reach me out and uh, I will give them uh, all the links they need. Thank you very much, Nathan. It was a pleasure. I wish you to grow your community to grow the sense of eco-activism within Ukraine, mm -hmm. to find a lot of people who share your values. And I wish you a great day in that weather that you like very much. And maybe some people won't like what I'll say next, but I wish you rain today. <laughs> so you'll enjoy it. Yeah, th thank you so much. Uh, thank you. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you today.